Hollywood Hoop Dreams aren't only made from magic, they also come in the form of original podcasts from the Hoop Ball Network. So if you're the Lakers zooming out, are you tempted to bring back DeMarcus Cousins in the playoffs? And do you disrupt the dynamic at that point if he's healthy enough to play? Join Ethan, JC, and the thriving Lakers community around the world to talk about all things Lakers. The Lakers this season has come to expect of this team is consistent winning. That is something we have not been able to say since I've seen Andrew Bynum in a Lakers uniform. The show is available everywhere pods are found and you can follow the show on twitter at hoopball lakers the following is a hoopball presentation basketball is back on this episode, we're going to take you around the association for some of the biggest NBA news and highlights. I'm going to be your host, Doug Potts. And I'm Brent Carlson. Uh, just before we get started, Doug, I'm going to let everyone know how they can reach us. You can reach me on Twitter at the Fantasy Dick. Um, it's not what you think. I'm just a big fantasy sports fan, and sometimes I can be a jerk. But anyway, Doug, how can people find you? Well, they could find me on Twitter as well, Brent. It's going to be at Kentucky Pro Basketball. That's at KY Pro Basketball, where I tweet out nightly stats of all players that have gone pro from the Commonwealth of Kentucky, University of Kentucky, UofL, Murray State, so on and so forth. So, And that's a lot of people. <laughs> yes, a lot of talent there that goes from the state to the NBA. Uh, so let's talk about this a little bit, Brent. So there's a lot going on with basketball back right now. We've been on a hiatus for quite some time. And, uh, and all the big talk right now is about the bubble life. And, and down in the NBA bubble in Orlando, a lot going on down there. I uh, personally think that they've done a great job with controlling this thing. Um, they've really made the, uh, the court and the arena look nice, uh, oh, yeah. like you and I had talked about offline. After the first you know, quarter, you're not even realizing that you know, there's no fans the way that they've got the big screens and everything back there. So I think they've done a really good job. It looks really good in there. Um, and so congrats to the NBA with that. Yeah, those screens, uh, you know, I, I, I totally forgot there wasn't even fans there when I was first watching. I even had to call my girlfriend in and be like, check these things out. They're so cool. And then you were letting me know people can actually, like, tap an app and control the people. And, and it, Chris Bosh was even one of the animated figures that they caught anymore since then. Or? Yeah, the, uh, the truth was on there. Paul Pierce was actually on there as well. And Dirk Nowinski ah. was actually on uh, one of the screens. So the technology is phenomenal that they've got. Uh, you know, whenever I was watching the, um, you know, the, the preseason, if you will, for the resumption, I think they, they called it the scrimmages, mm-hmm. uh, the, the floor looked kind of plain. It did have the Black Lives Matter logo. It had the NBA logo in the middle, but the rest of it was pretty plain and wasn't sure how it was all going to work out. But I'll tell you what, Brent, once they got got it rolling with the uh, the seeding games now, uh, you know, they got the, uh, I don't know if you noticed, the electronic visuals on the court where they, you know, uh, project whatever arena from back home, like the Toronto Raptors had their logos actually projected onto the court. Uh, whenever the players walk through the, uh, the advertisements, you can kind of see the, the digital uh, process there. But uh, it really made the, the floor look good, and, and those big screens in the back are just really phenomenal. Yeah, money well spent. Absolutely. So a lot of other things are happening. You know, nothing actually gets down to the bubble unless it goes through what they have, the, the shipping center there. From what I understand, there's a hundreds of packages an hour that are coming into that shipping center. Wow. I mean, packages are coming in from all over the place. Uh, some of the things I've heard that people have had shipped in is uh, a full-size fridge. Yeah, well, like uh. the ice maker on one side, you know, and the freezer on the bottom. 
Was it like a, a full-size fridge? fridge, you know? One of those yeah, ones that'll fridge. tell you tell you when you're out of milk or <laughs> Yeah, well there's no run into the store for these guys to get milk, that's for sure. Uh, some of the other things are coming in. A full recliner. A full-size <laughs> recliner. Like I guess you need to have your rest and relaxation in the room too. Well, I mean, know? these guys are big guys. They probably need specially designed furniture to to fit. Can you imagine yeah, bowl bowl on like a lazy boy. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> nothing lazy about that guy. That He's a lazy bowl. Yeah. Oh, look at you go. <laughs> uh, well, no, you know, I, I did hear something about the shipping. Uh, you know, just to to make sure Dion Waiters stayed happy, uh, he got a full size Shark Tank. Uh, shipped in. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, you know, I think wa- the water and everything because he needs the special uh, Los Angeles water um, for go. those sharks. <laughs> yeah, well, he's definitely uh, used them as his spirit animals. He's been a shark on the court for sure lately with that team. He's been a good pickup for for sure. We'll see if we get I any know. tweets uh, with people believing that story or not. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I, I do know for a fact though that there was a report uh, un- unnamed uh, player. Uh, had some wine coolers shipped in. What player? I've seen these guys shotgunning beers, but wine coolers? Really? Come on, yeah, Josh Hart. Some Bartles and LeBron James. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Bartles and LeBron. There you go. Very good. Yeah, I heard yeah, the, no, but... the security's really tight. They even stopped some guys coming back from that fishing pond to make sure that the fish was really theirs, that they really caught them in the pond or, or something like that. I, I don't even know how you could test that. Are they marked? Are they... <laughs> well, you know, the NBA did stock the lake. That's the word. Yeah. Yeah, they stocked the lake to make sure that all the players were happy and had enough fish to catch. For a while there, I thought it was just the same fish that this, uh, these te- these players were catching over and over again, but uh, I guess not. There's enough down there for them. Uh, they got to stay busy somehow. You know, Jimmy Butler stayed busy dribbling in his room. He had the security called on him for uh, making too much noise. Uh, I guess he didn't get enough practice time in. He had to keep dribbling. Huh? Man, Jimmy is dedicated. You know? Hey, just to keep the puns going, did they catch largemouth Brandon Bass? <laughs> oh, look at you go. Brandon Bass, there's a name from the past. I haven't heard about him in a while. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, man. No, on some more somber news, though, there is um, some news when it, when it comes to the COVID. You know, there's a lot of, some players are in quarantine because they're coming back into the bubble and so on and so forth, things like that. Uh, there is a report that a Sacramento player tested inconclusive on their COVID test. Um, basically, what happened was is, uh, the test was inconclusive for whatever reason, and he was actually uh, in risk of missing the game the other night. Uh, it was an unnamed player, so I can't give you the, the name on that one, but uh, it turns out that he got another uh, COVID test just in the nick of time, uh, tested negative, so he was able to, to take the court. So, well, I did um, read today, Doug, that um, they're trying to take steps to make sure that inconclusive tests don't keep people out of key games. So I think they're going to be looking at that. Uh, that inconclusive, I don't think, will keep you out of a game. Uh, moving forward, so yeah, right. Uh, to be right. The, on that, the new rule is that um, as long as a, another test comes in within sixty or prior to sixty minutes before tip-off, okay. is the new deadline now. So instead of a day before twenty-four hours, it's actually sixty minutes prior to tip-off. So I'm uh, telling you, definitely. it's key to get that thing. You know, you have to touch your brain with that Q-tip to make sure that you get the test uh, to come back correct. Yeah, you know, that's what I've been hearing. Unfortunately, I haven't had to have any uh, tests like that. Um, but uh, I you know what's funny is... I went to yeah, Mexico. Yeah, I went to Mexico for a week, and uh, I came back, and, and um, you know, to get my stepkids, we both wanted to test negative on the uh, COVID test. Right. So uh, I went and took one drive-through. Um, it came back in, like, three days. I am negative. Uh, 
totally clear, but it is Very uncomfortable. <laughs> yes, I, I could I could hear that. Now, I know that uh, a lot of the players, you know, the Players Association and uh, Michelle Roberts are in talks with the NBA to try to get um, the antibody test down there, which is a different test, and it'll actually show if players have had it in the past and they have mm-hmm. the antibodies. So um, that's, that's a much less brain-tickling um, test, and so I think they're trying to get that for sure. Okay. Um, but there is uh, there is some other news that came out when it comes to to sicknesses and, and the uh, the COVID. Um, you know, good news is uh, Nurchik Yusuf Nurchik's grandmother. She's actually uh, came out of her coma and she's recovering fine uh, with the with the COVID nineteen. So that's good news there. Um, yeah. Some unrelated sort sort of news is uh, Montrezl Harrell. His grandmother uh, passed unfortunately uh, passed away, which is uh, forcing him to miss uh, miss the bubble and the uh, the resumption. Uh, prayers out to to his family. Um, unsure if it's COVID related. They haven't released that information. But uh, Montrezl Harris, as you know, went to University of Louisville, which is uh, close to home here where I'm at in Kentucky. So um, hopefully his uh, family is doing well and, and uh, everyone's uh, in good spirits there. From I, saw, I saw a little bit of player no- news too. I guess Dennis Schroeder had to leave leave the team uh, and left the bubble for uh, his wife, who's expecting their second child. Yes. Yeah, I wonder if will be born with a little blonde streak in his hair, or does that come in later? You know, there's a funny story about that. Uh, he actually asked for his mother to bleach his hair when he was younger so he could uh, be a little different, and uh, that's actually not uh, a birth, uh, birth, uh, I guess, defect, you'd say. It, uh, it's actually uh, willingly bleached his hair, and he's just kind of stuck with that look. And I guess that's these funny. players, once you uh, once you get a look like that, and NBA 2K puts it in the game, you kind of got to stick with your branded look at that point. Huh? Yeah, that's kind of like when I was a kid, I begged my parents. I always wanted to get a flocked Christmas tree, you know, with all the white powder on it. And there was, no, 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 they're too messy. They're too messy. So when I, the first chance I had to get my own Christmas tree, I went out and got a flocked Christmas tree. And I realized they were totally right. It's way too messy. I'll never do it again. You know, I should have listened to my parents, but... They, they, you know, it's one of those things when they don't let you do it as a kid and, and you go out as soon as you're an adult and, and try it. Um, it wasn't like getting a tattoo or some weird piercing or anything. This was my form of rebellion, but, you know, I still should have listened to my parents. So uh, listen to me, kids. Listen to your parents. They know what they're talking about. <laughs> exactly. That's great. Yeah, so congrats to uh, Dennis Schroeder and his family on a uh, birth of a child uh, soon, if not already have happened. Um, I know that uh, Gordon Hayward is also expecting him and his wife uh, a child, so he'll be leaving the, uh, he has already said he'll be leaving the Orlando bubble. Once that occurs, you know, given our fantasy uh, fantasy hopes, uh, hopefully that doesn't happen until the actual playoffs start, so we'll see what happens That's there. That's going to be because, a good-looking kid. Yeah, because I'll tell you what, I mean, we've all been looking forward to some basketball, so we want to have everybody here as long as we can. That's right. You know, I've, I've been waiting for this day since March, Brenton. Now that it's here, <laughs> I've got one thing on my mind. That's my bookie. My bookie is a home run, slam dunk, triple overtime, game-winning shot, all wrapped up into one. I love it. You love it. And that's all you should need to hear in order to start betting today. My bookie has up-to-the-minute odds on all your favorite teams with the start of the NBA bubble season and here upon us. There's never been a better time to start playing, I tell you. With my bookie, it's easy. You bet, you win, and they pay. Hey, you know what, Doug? Smart bettors, they're always looking towards the future, too. And in this case, that means basketball, but hockey and football as well. And my bookie is already accepting bets on all of your favorite NBA, NHL, and NFL games. There's never been a better time to start exploring the world of online sports betting. So join today 
and my bookie will match your deposit 100%. Plus, they'll even toss in a free $10 MLB future wager. All you got to do is enter the promo code HOOPBALL, that's H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L, HOOPBALL, when signing up. And remember, at my bookie, the terms are simple. You bet, you win, and what do they say, Doug? They pay. They pay. Well, you know I, who doesn't pay is Phoenix. It uh, looks like it's like Phoenix, like Phoenix, Phoenix is uh, as of last week. Uh, apparently, they uh, touted it was uh, restructuring, and uh, they were trying to get rid of some redundant positions. So, uh, uh, news out of Phoenix there, kind of your home area there. That's right. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, the heat is on down here in Phoenix, and not just the weather outside where it's 120 degrees, but. Apparently, it's on uh, the Phoenix Suns organization as well. But, you know, that's just one of those things that the whole country and the world is dealing with, with COVID and the, you know, we, we watch and we get upset that we don't see sports on TV. But, you know, there's a lot of jobs um, that make these games happen and, and a lot of people who've been out of work. And, you know, it's just unfortunate to hear about these things. And, and I feel like we're probably going to keep hearing about them for a while, unfortunately. But hopefully, you know, seeing basketball back, getting football back, you know, people can start getting back to work and, and getting those jobs. Um, didn't you hear about, but you heard a piece of good news about uh, some commerce coming to an area of the country uh, related to basketball. Yeah, you know, uh, Phoenix also sold their G League team to the Detroit Pistons. Um, you know, Phoenix is now one of only three without a G League team. Um, they're, they're, Selling off the team, they're getting rid of some uh, some employees. Um, it, it looks like you know they've already spent eighty million dollars to um, towards the two hundred thirty million required to build that new arena down there, mm. um, the Crazy Stick Arena or whatever it's called. Talking Stick. Talking Stick. There you go. Yeah. So, um, but you're right. You know the uh, good news did come out when it comes to the G League. Uh, looks like the G League is going to continue to expand. They've actually approved uh, a location for a new G League team. It's going to be. Uh, no team name yet, but it's going to be the Walnut Creek, California area. So G League is coming to your area there. Yeah, that's apparently that's where, where I grew Steph up. Curry lives. <laughs> I grew yeah. up in the in the Bay Area, um, up in that area. I know my brother lives right near Walnut Creek, and uh, I'm sure he'll be excited to have uh, some basketball close to his place to watch. It's it's a really great town. Um, you know, it's a it's a good community, uh, pretty well off community um, in that mm -hmm. area up there. A lot of the Silicon Valley. People who work at Facebook and Google and those those big Cisco and all those big companies up there, a lot of them live in the Walnut Creek area. So, you know, I think that's a good location. Yeah, you know, I'm full on to understand. Steph Curry lives uh, up there. Uh, oh yeah, I bet. Too. So yeah, so it'd be interesting to see uh, how that all plays out. Um, a lot of expansion. So I don't know which uh, NBA team is going to get that G League team there in Walnut Creek, California. Um, I'm pretty sure that the uh, Warriors already have uh, a G League uh, affiliate. They do. But, uh, yeah. So, mission to see how that all plays out there at Walnut Creek, California. Yeah. We'll I'll tell you one thing, it. though. What would um, be a good mascot for Walnut Creek, Doug? What do you think? Oh, well, the peanut guy is already taken from Planters Peanuts. So, uh, and he's a peanut, so not a walnut. <laughs> I don't know. That's interesting. That's a, Walnut that's a good Creek choice. Crushers or something. Yeah, you know, that's not a bad name. I guess we'll have to find out and see how, how that all goes out there. So, um, you know, one um, thing that is, is proven is some of these uh, these guys in the league now in the resumption, they're scoring these career highs. They're definitely proven they don't need to be in the G League. Oh, man. Uh, the other night, other night, T.J. Warren, 53 points, four rebounds, three assists, two blocks. Former Phoenix Suns. He had nine three-pointers three in that game. 
That's yeah, pretty phenomenal. Fired. That's a career high. And then uh, it looks like, you know, that's not a one-off thing. He backed it up tonight with 34 points, 11 rebounds, four assists, and four blocks. A full line, Brent. We love full lines. Three steals, too. So yeah, we do. that's great. I love seeing that, especially when it comes to fantasy. Oh, and fan- fan- fantasy, guys, a multi-cat game like that is – we want to see that from everyone on our team. And, and TJ has been what used to be known for for being more of a one – kind of a one-dimensional fantasy guy. He's just more of a scorer. And then – in the last couple of years, he's he's gotten the three pointer added to his game. He can add a few. Was that you know three or four boards? But now, I mean, he's he's looking like an all around player. And uh, you know, if they happen to let Oladipo go off to the Heat, like some of the rumors say, I mean, a Warren Brogdon combo uh, could be pretty scary there. When and when they get Sabonis back. Yeah, for sure. You know, and shout out to uh, our buddy Dan Brespish over at the Fantasy NBA Today who really uh, took the bull by the horns there, uh, so to speak, with T.J. Warren. He touted him as one of the better fantasy pickups. So if you guys are into fantasy sports, you know, you guys should uh, really hit up that show, uh, the NBA Fantasy Today with Dan Bresper. He knows what he's talking about over there. Oh, we yeah. got lots of great shows here at HoopBall. Uh, if you're into sports gaming, there's a podcast for that. You know, we had the box score breakdown today in sports betting, DFS Today. And then you got all the team uh, podcasts as well, HoopBall, uh, Bulls Cast, Clipper Cast, Grizzlies, Kings, Lakers, Nets, Pelicans—we have it all here. I tell you, um, we here at Hoopball, we're not just uh, we're not just podcasters and, and you know, writers. We're also fans, diehard fans, and diehard fans know that there's a lot more about basketball than what goes on inside the lines of the arena and the court. That's you know, sure. ball is life, as they say. You know. <laughs> yeah, so I got I got beat up. To bring to you. I got beat up on uh, by the guy who had T.J. Warren today in our. Uh, in our resumption league uh, fantasy league <laughs> that we're doing. I thought here you and I were playing each other today. No, that was yesterday. You beat you beat me yesterday. And I went to two and oh. two, and I think you improved to three and one. So, and then I got oh, whooped on again today. I got hurt by Jonathan Isaac going down yesterday. Um, yeah, I had him. He was my he was my uh, my wild card, you know, value pick in the draft, and it did not pay off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you know, another person who uh, really had uh, a career high, uh, Michael Porter Jr. Oh, yeah. Broke out career high at 37 points versus OKC. Oof. 12 rebounds, one assist, one steal, one block. Again, Brent, another full line. He was available in our league, too. Uh, he had that 21-point performance in the first game, but he had nothing else. I think he had one rebound, one assist. So, um, you know, I went I to grab somebody else uh, when I needed a player. And then he comes right back and not only outscores that line, but then, you know, adds in uh, stats across the board. So, um, you know, we, we know the guy's got the talent. He's always had it. Uh, you know, going to the Nuggets, there was a space issue. But, wow, I've, the Nuggets are, have so much talent. It's, uh, it's insane <laughs> from these young guys in bowl and, and Michael Porter Jr., um, you know, all the way, you know, even their role player guys, Tory Craig's able to step right in and look great. Monte Morris is able to step in and look great. This is all without three of their starters. You know, you know, they, they may not be, you know, they're, they're not, it's not necessarily translating to wins all the time, but they're putting up tons of points. They seem to play a little bit of defense. And uh, you talk about a fun team to watch, too. Oh. I mean, you know, you got Bobo, and then, you you know, you got the big guy running the point, too. And 
Yeah. Uh, some of the passes and, and the, the three-point shots that Bobo has is, is amazing. So I'll tell you what, you know, with all that, that tall lineup they have, it gives a whole new meaning to mile-high basketball, huh? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they did that. Uh, they did that tonight with all a lot of their big guys. Jamal Murray was out with a uh, a thigh soreness. Uh, he's been out for a, a couple times now, uh, so hopefully he comes back from that. You know, another uh, career high night for uh, Freddie Van Vliet. Oh yeah, six points, five rebounds, four assists, one steal. Woo. He had seven three pointers made. That ties his career high for three pointers made in the game. FVV. I know he was a. Uh... When he got drafted in our league, there was a lot of angry people who missed out on him because, you know, talk about a guy who steps it up in the playoffs. He's he's what people hope Rajon Rondo would be in the playoffs if he ever stayed healthy for it. Right, right. Yeah, he's he's been phenomenal. I mean, the whole Toronto team has been great. Uh, you know, they took down um, the Lakers the other night. And, uh, you know, Dwight Howard on uh, Instagram Live or, or some uh, social media actually said that he feels that, uh, mark his words, in the uh, the NBA Finals, he thinks it's going to be Toronto versus the Lakers. Hey, I you know what? I, I know a lot of really smart basketball people who love Toronto. And they, you know, I, I think, you know, we were, talk, we, we were talking offline about, you know, who we think might make it and, and come out of the East. And I, I know Toronto always pops up, you know, in that conversation. And the, the East, the East is strong. Watch out. I know... The West has got a lot of attention, but the East has some killer teams and some starting fives that are just, you know, crazy. So, yeah, yeah watch yeah. out. And then the, the defending champs are, are coming back strong. You know, a lot of people had them down because they lost Kawhi Leonard out to the Clippers. But, uh, you know, they really took the bull by the horns there as well. You know, they're, they're hungry for a, another championship. They got a little taste of it. It's like giving a kid a, a one gummy bear but holding <laughs> a bag out in front of him. He wants the rest of it, you know, so – they're hungry. They want that championship. They want to, you know, get another one under the belt, and they can, you know, want to prove to themselves that they can do it without uh, a big name star like, you know, Kawhi Leonard. You got Pascal Siakam out there, who, um, you know, is I think one of your favorites for uh, again most improved player of the year. Oh, yeah. uh, we'll talk about that in the third segment. But uh, you know, it's it's amazing to see what these guys have done the second time through. Um, they've they've learned uh, what it takes. They know what it takes, and they're not afraid to get out there and, and take it. I think it just I think it just shows how underrated Kyle Lowry's been in his career and even still now cuz you look at when LeBron left Cleveland and and uh Tristan Thompson I think in the off season was you know was like you know the 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 East the road to the East Finals still goes through Cleveland and everyone just laughed at him cuz they're like you guys have no chance are you kidding like but Toronto loses a guy like Kawhi and you know what the road to the East Finals still goes through Toronto, and no one's going to laugh at you for saying that. And that just shows how underrated Lowry and Siakam and Fred Van Vliet. It shows the emergence of OG Anubi uh, coming on, the, the depth that they have um, at the center position. You know, they're just, uh, yeah, they're just uh, – what was I going to say about that? I just got distracted because the New Orleans Pelicans just took down the Grizzlies. Yeah, and, I saw uh, that. And Zion Williamson, 25 minutes. It's a little bit of a bump up from his 14 he played uh, the last couple of I, games. I was watching the game, and he was playing hard. Like, he was bully ball down there. And he must have slipped and fought, fell two or three times. One time he slipped and his shoe came off. I don't know what it is with him and shoes, 
but they show David Griffin and you can't really get a read on David Griffin because they have the masks on, you know, so you can't see if his mouth is scrunching up or something. But uh, I have a feeling that something was, was clenching up when he saw Zion uh, hit the ground a couple of times. I think one, one time he came down and, and, you know, and both legs kind of slip out and you fall on your butt. And, like I even jumped out of my seat <laughs> a couple of times. Yeah, you know, All I want uh, is that guy to stay healthy. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and so does the NBA. You know, the NBA is really touting. They want that uh, LeBron James, Zion Williamson, uh, eighth seed, first seed matchup. You know, and, and, and the Pelicans really needed this win. Oh, yeah. Um, they get they got to a point, and they're playing the Grizzlies, who are currently in the eighth seed. Yep. So they, they really needed to get that win. It was good to see that the, they came out there and really uh, fought for it. Zion Williamson had 25 minutes, 23 points, seven rebounds, five assists. Uh, you know, he wasn't too happy whenever they were putting him in for 14, 15 minutes, telling him that he needed to uh, work up his conditioning, you know, and, and get ready and ramp up. He wanted to get out there, and, and you know, he knew he, that the last couple of games they they could have won. Yeah, and, they, uh, they let that they one go up. in Utah. That first game, Absolutely. they, they should have won that game. They dominated that game. Utah just, you know, I think they were up by 16 at one point, and Utah just, you know, was able to work their way back. They used sort of their veteran savvy to get back in the game. But I, honestly, I think if Zion plays more than 15 minutes in that game, the Pelicans win. Because when Zion's right. on the floor, it may not always necessarily be stats, but he gets so much attention, and he, he hustles so much under the hoop. He gets to almost every ball. It's crazy. And he, I saw at least three different times where uh, Memphis looked like they had a rebound controlled and Zion did something to get the ball knocked loose. And he doesn't get that rebound and he doesn't get a steal. It doesn't go in the box score. But right. he made that happen. And, uh, yeah. you know, it, it's, you know um, it's pretty incredible what, what he's able to do at his age. Yeah, it's good to see that the Pelicans win. If you guys want to hear more about that game, I'm sure Lyle over at the uh, Hoopball Pelicans podcast will be all over that one. He was oh, a little yeah. upset on the last game, a little down. But, hey, congrats, Lyle, and your guys' big win there in uh, in New Orleans on uh, on that uh, against the Grizzlies. So, you know, you are talking about how you didn't want to see uh, Zion go down with any injuries, and I agree with you. But, unfortunately, like you had mentioned earlier, you know, Jonathan Isaac, he has a, a confirmed torn ACL on his left knee. I actually saw oh, that man. play. Uh, going in for the drive, and he just kind of came down wrong. Uh, so he'll be uh, he'll be on a long recovery. You know, I actually, uh, before I coached basketball, uh, I actually played basketball for about four years um, kind of competitively, and uh, I tore both my right and my left ACL in my knees. And, you know, I'm no stranger to the recovery process. So hopefully, you know, prayers up to Jonathan Isaac for, uh, you know, getting healthy and getting his surgery as soon as possible. Um, stay, stay true to it. Young blood, you're going to get there. Uh, it's just a matter of matter of time. So listen to the uh, physical therapist on that and yeah. they'll help you recover for sure. I mean, he's got, he has so much potential to be not only, um, you know, a fantasy, you know, uh, unicorn. <laughs> I mean, this guy does everything and, you know, he just needs to, he just needs to bulk up a little and, you know, some people, some people just, you know, they're injury prone. But look at guys like Steph Curry, um, Grant Hill. I mean, they just had problem after problem, and then they were able to get it together and, and end their career careers strongly. Um, you know, I, my buddy tore both his ACLs like you did, and the doctor told him that he had um, he had a similar uh, tendons to a female. <laughs> I don't know what the doctor meant by that. But, uh, you know, I, oh. I did, um, we didn't want to call them girl knees, but 
uh, you know, I don't see too many women out there tearing their ACL, so I don't know what that means. <laughs> but yeah. hopefully, you know, hopefully, these... hopefully, Isaac doesn't have something going on where he's just more susceptible to tears. You know, that's um, yeah. that's probably definitely a possibility. But I was watching this thing with Kevin Love. Uh, and he was showing his uh, therapy room that he has in his house, and it has, like, a hyperbaric chamber. He has the sauna. I mean, these guys have access to so much of the most modern technology for this that, you know, he's going to recover. He's going to be just fine. We're going to see Clay Thompson, you know, come back from an ACL this next season. I have a feeling he's going to be just as strong as he was before. So, you know, I don't panic on Isaac. It sucks if you're in a dynasty league. And you have him, you got to wait, wait it out. But, you know, he's definitely a guy worth waiting on, I think, uh, from a fantasy perspective. Um, and, and a guy who I think is going to be able to work his way back into a strong career. He's still really young. Yeah, unfortunately, with the uh, the start of next year, talking about being December 1st or, or around Christmas, uh, I'm going to have to tell you guys right now that Jonathan Isaac's going to miss all of next year. Yep. Uh, that recovery is not a short recovery. Uh, when you're talking about an ACL you're talking about uh, an Achilles. Um, you know, Kevin Durant's been out for a while uh, this whole last year. And, you know, again, like you said, Brent, I think these guys are going to come back strong. Um, you know, the, the concern I have whenever they had go down with an injury like that is once you go down with an injury, you start to favor that knee or that arm or that ankle or, or that Achilles. And then you start to put wear and tear on the other parts of your body. Um, and that kind of like you see with Paul George with his both his shoulders, same situation there. So, you know, you really got to, you know, you really got to recover properly and listen to the physical therapist um, so that, you know, you don't start to favor one and then destroy the other. So, and that's exactly what happened to me. Right knee, three years later, left knee. So, Dang. Well, you look um, at like but, cousin, Cousins, you know, he he has the one injury, r- comes back probably way too soon, gets the other injury to the hip, comes back, probably rushed back to the court from that, and then, you know, boom, tears an ACL, you know, just – you know, you're right. You got to be patient. You can't be stupid. Clay Thompson, I think, was really smart about it. Once, and it was an easy decision for him once he saw where the Warriors were going this season. It was, you know, they they weren't going to have a shot. You know, so he was able to be patient, even though these guys want to play. Don't ever think that these guys. And Doug, you can say as someone who played sports competitively, you know, it may seem like they like a guy like Kevin Durant or somebody doesn't want to come back. But you look at what he did in the finals having that te- having that calf injury knowing there was a risk but it, and you hear everyone you talk to says it was he wanted to do it he wanted to play in the finals he even will tell you he didn't want to miss it blame whoever you want it was Kevin Durant's decision at the end of the day he's a grown man and this is what happens you get hurt again and you know you get you can't talk these guys out of it all the time but you can try and Hopefully they, you know, Isaac realizes he's not missing out on the finals. (laughs) Just take your time, get better. And, you know, Orlando's going to have a strong team. Fultz is going to have another year getting his head back in it. Maybe they hang on to Gordon, maybe not. Vucevic is there. He's signed, and he's a legit fan. He's a legit star. Um, Absolutely. Fournier stepped up. We'll see if he stays or not. But I think Orlando has some potential, and they just need him to get back strong. Right. No, I completely understand, Brent. And, you know, one of the things is, is these guys are competitors, you know. They're, you know, fighting hard. They want to they wanna play. They're there for their teammates. You know, they want to be out there on the on the court. And as I was the same way. Once you get hurt, it, it's the only thing you're thinking of is, is just getting back to, you know, playing on the court and helping your teammates out. Yeah, and, you know, and speaking of taking good care of yourself, 
uh, let me tell you about our other sponsor, Manscaped.com. You know, engineers at Manscaped, they spent 18 months uh, to redesign the greatest trimmer ever created, and they just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. This third-generation trimmer is designed to reduce manscaping accidents thanks to its advanced skin-safe technology with a cutting-edge ceramic blade. And those accidents are no joke and no fun. The Lawnmower 3.0 is a premium piece of equipment with a 90-minute battery life. It's got an LED light for cutting in the low-light scenario and a 7K RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. Now, to get your Lawnmower 3.0, go to manscaped.com. Use promo code HOOPBALL20, that's HOOPBALL, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L-2-0, to get 20% off and free shipping. That's HoopBall, HoopBall20. Get yours today and get trimming. That's right, Manscaped. It is, man, that technology is amazing. <laughs> it's come a long way since I was in college and, and really worried about that. <laughs> you know, so talking about Jonathan Isaac with his uh, recovery, one of the things, he was also in uh, the news lately for uh, this, in, on the social justice side. Oh, so yeah. A lot of these guys, as you've been watching the games, you know, everybody's taking a knee during the national anthem and, you know, uh, you know, quietly, privately protesting in the ways that they feel is necessary. He actually uh, stood. Uh, and so that caused some concern on Twitter. Some people were, you know, kind of talking about that. And uh, he actually came out after the game and said the reason why he stood was uh, for his religious beliefs. He didn't feel that, you know, he should kneel before anyone else or for anything except for his Lord and Savior. And, you know, I commend him for that. Um, you know, it's, it's one of your, your ways if you want to, you know, protest in the way that you feel is right. You know, he doesn't think wearing a, a T-shirt uh, and kneeling is, is what he wanted to do. And uh, neither did Myers Leonard from Miami. Uh, you know, I posted today, uh, Brent, on a, uh, a Twitter post that Myers Leonard um, was uh, filmed standing during the national anthem. And this, what's different about his is that when he was standing there, he had his hand on the shoulder of his teammate that was actually kneeling. And also the teammate that was kneeling had his arms around the leg of Myers Leonard. You know, he stands because of his conscience. You know, his family served in the military. His brother spent two terms in Afghanistan, so he felt that it was right to stand. His teammates understand him, and they embrace him as well. They kneel because of their conscience, their family experiences, and inequality. He understands and embraces them. This is what it looks like to love your neighbor truly. And I think that, you know, we need a lot more positivity in this world, and uh, I think coming together like that was a, a great way to show it, and I'm glad that, you know, it's getting some uh, some publicity and some notoriety. And um, shout out to everyone there who's, you know, fighting the good uh, social justice battle there. Yeah, I was happy to see you tweet that out. I, I even retweeted it because something people get so worked up when they see somebody not not doing things the way that they would do it, or not protesting the way they would protest. Or it's so silly. I mean, if they those guys are are brothers, they're in the locker room together. They spend more time together than these people do with their own families. They know Myers Leonard supports them. They know Myers Leonard would probably, you know, probably take a bullet for a lot of those guys, you know. And, of course, he supports Black Lives Matter. He wants his, his teammates to, you know, feel loved by the country that they represent and play for. And, you know, just because, you know, he doesn't want to take a knee, and that's not the way he protests, it doesn't mean that he doesn't support them. It doesn't mean... Um, that he's against the movement. It's just he has he has a different way that he he would protest. And so you can't get right. mad at him. You can't get mad at the people that that choose to kneel. At the end of the day, all of it is about love. 
It's about loving the loving your other fellow human beings and just wanting them to have a good experience in this one life that we all get. Because yeah, come together and make it make it a better place to be for sure. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, look, it's very it's a very real thing that people are born in different circumstances, and you either have some have it harder, some have it easier. It's just a fact. And yeah, it's good to see everybody come together. Yeah, you can't you can't pretend to understand what somebody from a different circumstance from you has had to deal with, but you can support them if they're protesting in a peaceful, loving way. Why not just support it and and be there for them? Whether it's what you would do or not, it doesn't matter. You don't know their situation. So I I thought that was really cool, man. Yeah, and you know, Jonathan Isaac and Myers Leonard both spoke with their teammates and their coaches prior to going out there and doing that. It wasn't uh, them doing it on their own. Uh, Myers Leonard uh, said in a interview with ESPN, he said, and I quote, I think I can be a beacon of light, not only for my voice or platform and action, but in everything I'm doing. But it also went on to say that I certainly support Black Lives Matter. I am very aware of what is going on, but I can be both. My patriotism runs deep. And I agree with him there on that. Uh, So it's good to see that he had the support of his teammates and he didn't just do it on his own. Absolutely. Now, another thing, uh, when it comes to social justice in this world, um, some of the things, uh, these are kind of touchy subjects. So you know, uh, it's it's one of those things that surprised me whenever I saw a um, a report that didn't get much light. And I want to bring it to light here. The Chinese Basketball Association uh, has made some changes uh, to their team rules for 20 and 21. Now, why are we talking about that here uh, in the United States? Because this this affects us too, and I'll tell you why. Because their new rules state that only they can have a maximum of four foreign players on any given team within the league, four players total. And those total of uh, cash considerations can only add up to a total of $7 million. Mm-hmm. So a lot of NBA players uh, and professional players in the United States, you know, they go over to China and they play basketball over there uh, at the end of their career. And, you know, Stefan Marbury has made a, a great uh, pathway for that playing in China. Um, but I can only imagine, Brent, what it would be like if the NBA came out and said, hey, we're only going to allow four foreign players on a team. Can you imagine what that would be like? Look at all the foreign players we have in, in our country and this team. I know. And, you know, it's just China. And China's throwing away money by by not allowing foreign players to come on that team because they're the ones, if you look at it, Stefan Marbury doesn't really make money from his salary. He makes money from his endorsements because the fans there just embrace him. And they love American players that come over there, European players, because this doesn't just exclude Americans. This excludes Europeans or anyone who's not in China, from what I could read. And they're right. just hurting themselves. It's like cutting off your nose to spite your face um, just because they have some issues with LeBron James or Daryl Morey or, or how the NBA's, you know, handled certain things or, or responses to, you know, their political things they have going on. It's, you know, it's just, it's just being silly. Like it's sports. Come on. Like, let these yeah. guys play. Let these guys, if they if they earn the money, let them make it. Let the fans, they're hurting their own fans who want to see these guys play. And now you're limiting, you're limiting the skills they get to see. Right. So hopefully that gets some more limelight out there and people uh, start to pay attention to what's going on in the, in the world about social justice and, and continue to fight for that. So let's yeah. move on to a little bit uh, brighter uh, side of things. You know, uh, Brent, the NBA awards are coming up soon. What do you think about that? I, I you know, I, you know, I have mixed feelings about the awards. You know, it's uh, it always feels like a couple of the awards are just sort of decided 
by the sports writers before the season even starts. And as long as the one guy that they've anointed as this is who we're going to give it to this year doesn't, you know, fall flat on their face during the season, they're going to get it. Um, and, uh, yeah. So when we get to the MVP, I have a few things that I'd like to, I'd like to get off my chest, I think. But, you know, maybe we should start with, uh, you know, the ever-loving uh, or the fun uh, sixth man of the of the year award um, because one of the guys who is consistently in the running for sixth man of the year uh, showed that he was a wingman of the year by risking his team's uh, playoff position and his spot in the bubble to go um, get some tater tots at a strip club for lunch with a buddy of his. Um, not a smart move by, by Sweet Lou, um, but I, I think he learned his lesson. I think he took a lot of crap for it. And uh, I don't think he'll be doing that again. And I don't think any other players will be taking that risk. So maybe it's a good thing. And he's on a team that was going to make the playoffs no matter what. So no harm, no foul. But uh, for me, I think it's his teammate, Montrez Harrell, who is deserving of the sixth man of the year, uh, sixth man of the year award this year. Uh, purely for his, I mean, the numbers are there. You can't, the numbers are there, the, but the impact he has on the game when he comes in and his energy and his excitement and the way he attacks the game is so fun to watch. And you, t- you can tell it gets his team hyped up. Um, you know, sometimes the, the games lag, the middle of the season gets, he always comes out there and just keeps everyone going. And he's a huge reason why uh, Kawhi Leonard went there, um, why Paul George wanted to go there and why their team had one of the best records in the NBA. Uh, just because he he's the, Patrick between him and Patrick Beverly, you know they make that team tick. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, I, I agree with with the, the the benefit of having Montrez Harrell coming off the bench and Lou Williams. You know, they're both scoring over eighteen points a game. Coming off the bench, having two scorers that are scoring over eighteen points a game, that's phenomenal, and that's that's kind of unheard of. You know, um, Lou Williams is is at a, at a clip of five point seven assists per game and three-point run rebounds per game. When you look at Montrez Harrell, he's right there at 1.7 and 7.1. So it's kind of a toss-up for me, either one of these two guys. Uh, Montrez Harrell being from Louisville, kind of partial to that uh, choice as well. But <laughs> I really think that the uh, sixth man of the year award really needs to be named after uh, Lou Williams. Uh, Sweet <laughs> Lou is, has really uh, been uh, the, the never-ending sixth man of the year. He was on the Lakers for a while. He, he had bounced around the league. I really hope that he, uh, he finds a home here in Clipper Land and uh, they keep him long-term. I think he deserves the award, uh, but I, I would be okay with Montrez or Harold getting it as well. I think that they're, uh, they're both capable of pulling it off and, and being a, a kind of a unanimous. It would be nice to see both of them get it. That would be neat. Yeah. Like kind of co, co-six men of the year, especially off the same team. That's pretty, pretty happened nice. happened before. Yeah. Well, another right. awards anyway. Right. So another thing I want to bring up to you, though, is uh, the most improved player of the year. Um, some some of that uh, was kind of controversial on Twitter as well. You know, Spencer Dinwiddie came out and actually made his voice known on, this, on the topic. Um, he actually said that he doesn't feel that anyone who was drafted in the top three of a draft should ever be in consideration for most improved player. Oh, well, I, I wonder guess who he, he could be referring to. <laughs> Yeah, and I guess he just means that, you know, if, you, if you're that good to be in the top three of the draft, you know, why would you ever be most improved player? You're already expected to be good. Um, so his, his two recommendations, let's get to those first. He recommends two individuals by the name of Bam Bam Adebayo out of Miami. 
And also it was Devontae Graham in Charlotte. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was he was amazing. He's got yeah. a point there, I think, with Graham. Uh, Graham if, if you – for his reasoning, you know, even Bam and these other guys were, you know, somewhat respected coming out of school. Graham has fought for everything that he's got. And, I mean, he went from zero to hero. <laughs> I'd never even heard of Graham, and I do this stuff – for a living basically i mean i you know as like i'm I'm watching basketball and paying attention constantly and and he came out of nowhere for me and he was on the waiver wire in leagues i'm in with guys who get paid to do this kind of thing uh they let him go to the waiver wire so i mean he's kind of got he's got a point there um if you really focus on most improved um, yeah, you know, Graham, I picked Graham up on my fantasy waiver wire the first week into the uh, the season, and I'm glad I did. I dropped Jordan Clarkson at the time. He was still with Cleveland. I uh, wasn't doing so hot, and I picked up Graham, and I'm glad I did. Yeah, and he really paid it off for me in the season there with the stats in my fantasy league, so I was happy about that. Now, with Bam Adebayo out of Miami, you know, I've watched him for quite a few years now. He played in Kentucky, uh, close to home here, and uh, I'm a big Wildcats fan, big Blue Nation and, uh, you know, it's hard to really tell what kind of players you're going to get out of Kentucky. They're all going to be stars, obviously. But, you know, at Kentucky, they're playing with so many people that are, are great and demand the ball so much that they really need to be out on their own uh, away from, the, uh, away from the, the, the flock and the rest of the group to, uh, to really show what they're going to be about. And one thing I liked about Bam Adebayo in college was his ability to shoot the free throw shot. His free throw percentage was pretty good for a big guy there. and He really ran the floor well. So, um, he's done really good things down in Miami. Uh, they traded Whiteside to, to Portland. It gave him an opening spot there to uh, to kind of take take the uh, the lead there in the center spot, and he did really good uh, this yeah. year. So I, I I don't have any doubts that uh, Bam Adebayo and Devontae Graham could definitely uh, be most improved player. I think you had mentioned another player that you thought most improved. I mentioned in the beginning of the podcast too, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, even though he won the award last year, I, I think Pascal Siakam, you know, could definitely win it again. I mean, he's gone, and, and I say this about Brandon Ingram, too, um, you know, these guys went from horrendous free-throw shooters. I mean, like, Pascal was like 40-something percent, I think, and, and Ingram was like low 60s, and they've not only improved their overall game by being able to step out to the three-point line and knock those down, not only consistently, but at an all-star level, and then also get their free-throw shooting into, like, the 80s, the 80%. I mean, that's unheard of. You know, if Shaq improved to – if he shot 60% one year, we all were going crazy because he improved, you know, 20% or something. These guys improved 40 percentage points almost on their free throws, and they're, it's just amazing that these guys had it in them, you know, because you see guys improve. And, and Devontae Graham, you know, he did, you know, he had a great season, but, he, you know, he sort of fell off. He was on a team that, you know, could give him the feed on the rock, and he could just shoot, you know, all game long. And he, and he didn't shoot that great. But then you look at Ingram and Siakam, two guys who are leading their teams pretty much to the playoffs. Um, you know, Siakam won a title, and then the next they lose. Maybe some people consider maybe the best player in the NBA in Kawhi Leonard, and he's got him back in title contention again. You don't lose a guy like Leonard, not add anybody crazy, and still be the top team, one of the top teams in the East, unless your other all star is amazing. 
and Siakam is right. just that. And Ingram, just real quick, uh, Ingram, to the mental fortitude to be the third pick, to be a guy who got traded in a group of guys for one dude, the to a team like the Pelicans, you know, who have not had the greatest history of success, um, you know, and then to step up and have the type of season he did where Zion had all the attention, uh, you know, it just shows uh, he could have easily just sort of given up and just been like, you know what, I'm just, I'm fine just making millions of dollars and just being a so-so player. But he wanted to improve. He wants to be great. And, you know, he made himself an all-star. And, you know, a lot of credit to Ingram for that. I think that if that's not most improved. I don't know what is. Yeah, and uh, to prove your point there, Brent, you know, Siakam went from a 62% free throw percentage to an 80.2 over the last two years. <laughs> yeah. You know, and Brandon Ingram, you, know, you mentioned his, his free throw percentage as well going up. His free throw percentage last year was at a 67.5, and it jumped almost 20 points yeah. to 85.9%. So, yeah, that's that's definitely a good number there to look at when you're looking at most improved player. Now, with Brandon Ingram, he is going to be a free agent, restricted free agent at the end of this year. So, you know, New York with them having Tom Thibodeau out there now as the coach, and uh, some players might want to try to start to go there. Brandon Ingram might, you know, look to New York uh, to see about, uh, you know, his scoring ability is definitely going to be needed out there in New York. Uh, he can play with uh, Randall, Julius Randall, like he played with in, in L.A. But, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure that the Pelicans are going to match any kind of uh, contract that Brandon Ingram gets from anywhere else. So especially okay. if you have the most improved uh, player uh, accolades under your belt, he's got a lot of uh, negotiating power there going into the offseason. So that'll be good to see what kind of kind of contract he gets and where he lands. I really want to see this Pelicans team run it back with a full year of Zion at full health and – you know, I, I, you know, the way balls slowly been improving, um, you know, his shot still terrible. I was watching him in this last game. He, 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 I saw him throw up like three air balls and it, yeah. you know, no matter how far he needs, no matter how he's got to get that thing. I'm making the hands, I'm making a hand motion of bringing my arms all the way from the left of my body to the right. I mean, somebody straighten this guy out. I don't know if you need to stick him in some sort of like, what are those um, those bat those spine straighteners they put you in if you have right. scoliosis? Like, is there something they can hook up to his arm and his back to keep his elbows straight? I I don't get it. You, but you know, mm-hmm. like, kudos to him for making it this far um, with with a jump shot like that. Uh, you know. Yeah, so, you know, and it, it's not like he's a rookie anymore. You know, he's, no. he's had a few years in the league. But speaking of rookie, you know, uh, rookie of the year is a uh, is a hot topic out there. Some people say Zion Williamson. Some people say John Morant. Some people say a couple other places, uh, a couple other people. What do you have there, Brent? Sure. I mean, you know, look, uh, I mean, it's going to go to jaw. I I think, you know, Zion just didn't have enough games. But, I mean, in the games he played in, he was amazing. But uh, jaw was just great all year round. I mean, just incredible. Got the Met, brought the Memphis right up to playoff contention. They still could make the playoffs. I mean, it was a tough loss tonight, but they're still the A seed right now or, or right there. Um, you know, but there were some other rookies that, that made it interesting. You know, Kendrick Nunn was a guy who came out of nowhere um, and, and looked great and has people looking at Miami as, as a sleeper team uh, out there. So, you know, it, Jaw was running away with it. Zion made it interesting. Nunn um, came in there. Guys like Eric Paschal, who were second-round pick on the Warriors and, you know, just – was was a revelation on the on the Warriors and even um, became a fantasy relevant player and 
you know, it'd be really cool to see how, how he fits in. He looks like the ultimate role player off the bench for the Warriors, and, and he's going to be a big reason why the Warriors are going to go right back to title favorites um, when they bring a healthy team back with whoever they pick or trade for. So, you know, yeah, there, there's some other really good rookies out there. It's not the class from the year before, but um, it was still a really good class of rookies, but uh, Jaws on top of them all, man. He was just great. Yeah, you know, and you can you can tell that, you know, it's going to be interesting uh, between the uh, Hoop Ball Grizzlies cast and the Hoop Ball Pelicans cast tomorrow because <laughs> those two teams played each other tonight. But I agree with you, Brent. I think it's a runaway favorite for John Morant coming out of Murray State and another uh, Kentucky college. Um, he's got 17.8 points per game, seven assists, and 3.6 rebounds per game. He's averaging this year. Uh, it's great numbers from a rookie. Now, tonight, he did shoot five of 21 shots, one of 10 from free throws. He only had 11 points tonight against the uh, New Orleans Pelicans, but I think it was just an off night for him. Uh, he did really good in the last couple of games, so shout out to John Morant. I think uh, it's a it's, it's a no-brainer between uh, Brent and I. He's our Rookie of the Year. So. Yep. Uh, going on to Coach of the Year, it was kind of announced a little bit on ESPN. Uh, all the coaches uh, vote for their favorite Coach of the Year, and of course the media still has to vote, and I think the players get a vote as well. But uh, Coach of the Year was announced uh, that all the coaches uh, had a tie on uh, Mike Budenholzer and Billy Donovan for uh, Coach of the Year. Mm. It still has to go to the uh, the media, like I said. So we'll see what the final results are. But some people kind of felt that uh, you know the the, the championship uh, coach out there. Nick Nurse in Toronto should have been a, a, a favorite for, for this year as well on the coach. And I, I kind of tend to agree. But uh, at this point, I think all three of them are pretty good options. Yeah, coach of the year is a tough one because so much of it is out of your control as a coach, <laughs> what players you have, and especially at this level. Um, I mean, Budenholz are – look, I mean, he's drawing up plays for uh, Giannis. I mean, that's like – come on. Like yeah. that's like I could drop. Give me a clipboard and Giannis and Chris Middleton and Eric Bledsoe and Brooke Lopez, and I'm gonna get you some some easy baskets, you know. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I, we could probably just skip over this one. I don't really. I mean, there there was a lot of uh, good coaches out there this year. Um, you know, you could say Steve Kerr even with the job he did. Uh, I mean, I'm a homer, a Warriors homer, but you could say the job he did with with having all those guys hurt and the development that you saw from Alec Burks, from Glenn Robinson, from these guys who sort of were written off by the rest of the league and then became valuable free agent signings for playoff teams uh, because of, of what they were able to show with the Warriors. And then the the development of Jordan Poole and Eric Paschal um, and the rookie, the rookie class that they had, uh, you know, and the excitement that's being built for when these guys come back, um, you know, I had some would say this is Steve Kerr's finest year coaching, um, you know, since since the first year he took over and they won that championship. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I would say Budenholzer, best record or best – I mean, he yeah, what he did with Milwaukee is, is amazing, and, and Milwaukee is a lot to be excited about. That's a great team with a great coach. Right. So now, last but not least, and everyone's favorite is the MVP. So I know you have a hot take on this, so I'm going to I'm gonna get my, my two cents in before you take a run at it. Um, you know, the MVP is uh, in a matchup right now between basically what people are coming down to is uh, LeBron James and Giannis Antetokounmpo. So let's run down the numbers real quick for this. Uh, LeBron James, 25.6 points per game. Giannis is 29.6. Giannis wins in that battle. 
Rebound, 7.6 for LeBron, 13.7 for Giannis. Giannis wins that one. After that, it's all LeBron James. 10.5 assists. He's leading the league in assists at 35 years old. He's got 1.2 steals. He's uh, combating Giannis at 5.8 assists and one steal. So people are mentioning Giannis for a defensive player of the year. Um, you know, at one steal a game, I don't see how you could be defensive player of the year whenever you've got LeBron over here at 1.2 and Anthony Davis, obviously, at higher numbers. So um, when it comes to MVP, I'm surprised that AD is not also thrown into this mix. He is leading his team in every category except for assist. So how can you be leading your whole team on every category except for assist and not be in the MVP race? Although I have to say that my pick for MVP is going to be LeBron James, and my reasoning is the bar's been set high. And I think that every time that LeBron James doesn't meet that high bar that he's set for himself and set for us, then we all get kind of down on LeBron. But let's face it, the guy's a beast. At 35 years old, he's doing some phenomenal things. He's been doing that his entire career. People like to compare him with um, with Jordan and Kobe for, for best player in the world, you know, best player in history. So, uh, I'm going to say LeBron James on this one. Go ahead, Brent. I know you have your take on it. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I I had this whole rant planned around how LeBron James could win MVP every single year. He's just amazing. You know, I think it's just the sports writers getting bored of LeBron James, just wanting to give it to somebody else. Does somebody please play great so we can give it to somebody other than LeBron? And luckily they had Westbrook with his historic triple-double seasons, and they had Harden with his crazy offense, um, and then they've had Giannis Antetokounmpo. And I would say give it to LeBron this year. I mean, what he's done with his gray, old gray beard out there. Um, yeah, he has Anthony Davis, but, you know, the rest of the team isn't like a bunch of stars or anything. It's a bunch of role players, uh, some cast off from other teams like J.R. Smith and Deion Waiters. I know they weren't there all year, but – but still, LeBron's still making those guys the favorite just because he's on such another level as everybody else. The one thing that's happened since I've been sort of formulating this rant in my head is Giannis looked absolutely incredible in the playoff, in, the, in this return to the bubble. I mean, the dude had like eight assists on top of – I don't have the stats in front of me, Doug, but – holy crap, like Giannis went off and really impressed me and changed my mind a little bit just watching him dominate out there. And I think the Bucks, this is out Bledsoe, they're going to be incredibly hard to beat. I think they have a really good shot at winning the title, although I still have the Lakers as the favorite. And But Giannis has a better supporting cast. He has Brooke Lopez. He has Eric Bledsoe, who's no slouch. It's one of the most underrated point guards in the league. Uh, he's he blocks shots. He's defensive. He's great. Another on player defense. out of Kentucky. Yeah, in uh, Kentucky. Yeah, but he's he's had injuries, so it sort of derailed him a little bit. But super underrated. Chris Middleton is an all star. I don't care what you say. He's lucky. But the dude is was is absolutely incredible. Um, Brooke Lopez. He's transformed his game into uh, a three point shooter, but he still is right up there with the league leaders in blocks. You know they have a they have a much better supporting cast. Um, you know, he doesn't have an Anthony Davis on his team like LeBron does, So, but but he has another all-star. And then he has a bunch of other better guys around him. Um, so I think LeBron has made a career out of doing more with less. Yeah, he was he was with Wade and Bosh there for a little bit. But those teams he dragged to the finals from Cleveland and even pulled off wins with were, you know, not 
not that great. There was the injuries to Love and Kyrie. You know, he was working with a bunch of guys who couldn't even win, who could barely win 20 games the season after he left. So, you know, I think LeBron deserves the MVP. He's deserved it every year of his career. Giannis is making a great case uh, to win it. Um, you know, and I don't know that he deserves defensive player of the year, but um, give it, I say give it to LeBron at his age as, as an older person myself at 42, you know, I know how hard it is to even get out of the bed in the morning. I can't imagine, you know, getting up and leading a team in the NBA uh, probably to the finals. So uh, I'm just in awe of what LeBron's been able to do. And I think he, he's, he's deserved the award every year of his career. So just give it to him already. It, it's not boring. It's awesome. Okay. Well, so he gets the MVP in your boat. Uh, what about Giannis uh, versus AD for the Defensive Player of the Year? I think AD has that one hands down, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I could agree with AD. I, I think Gobert, you always have to mention in there, but, um, you know, he really hurt his name with his, the whole COVID thing. And um, But, you know, Gobert is one of those guys, like, if you ask anyone in the NBA, if if somebody gets by you, who do you want standing back there? And I think I would think – a large percentage of them, if not almost everyone, would say I want Rudy Gobert standing back by that rim if somebody gets by me. But, you know, AD and Giannis would be right up there as well for sure. Um, if if it were to ask me between Giannis and AD, um, I would say Anthony Davis. Just when I watch that guy play, his timing on the, around the rim is incredible. Uh, he, I think he's a more skilled defender than Giannis. Giannis gets, is skilled but he gets by on more sheer athletic ability where Davis seems a more cerebral, I hate to use that word, but cerebral defensive player and, and times things and gets him. He's in the right position more often than not, where it seems like Giannis has to recover sometimes, but he's got the athletic ability, ability to do so. So I, I would say AD. Okay. Yeah. I agree with you there. I think, you know, right now the AD is playing Gobert. Uh, they're tied at uh, 30, 29 points apiece. Uh, looks like Anthony Davis, 13 points, five rebounds with two steals. Uh, Gobert sitting at four points, five rebounds, one assist, and, of course, one block. So uh, two guys there that are always kind of in the conversation for de Defensive Player of the Year. So thanks for joining us on this episode, guys. Again, you've been around the association with Doug and Brent. Yeah, thank you for joining us, guys. Uh, remember, uh, follow us on Twitter if you want to catch up with us during the week in between shows. You can find me at the Fantasy Dick And, Doug, where, where can they find you? At KY Pro Basketball. That's at KY Pro Basketball, where I break down and tweet nightly stats of all players who have gone pro from the Commonwealth of Kentucky. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Doug, any parting words? No, be safe out there, guys. Make sure you mask up and uh, join us next time. That's right. See you next time. Thanks, everyone. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.